LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Mohammed Slahi and Phil White, the co-founders of Hooray Spice. It is a premium Afghan saffron and spice supplier that started in 2017. Their mission at Hooray Spice is to help Afghan family farmers economically by bringing their saffron to the U.S. markets, as well as helping the children by reinvesting 10% of the company's profits to building schools for Afghan children. Since their establishment, they set out 12 Afghan students back to school. 10% of all their net income goes to Hooray Charity Foundation to educate and build schools for Afghan children. For reference, in Afghanistan, it costs about $70 to send a child to school for a year. Still, only one out of five students finish elementary school due to economic hardship. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this moving conversation with Mohammed and Phil of Hooray Spice. So today we're sitting now with Mohammed Salahi and Phil White, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Of uh, Hooray Spice. How are you guys doing today? Very good. You're doing great. Good. <laughs> sitting down at my favorite restaurant, one of our sponsors, Spice. Yeah. Fantastic meal we just had. Now it's time for a great little interview. So tell us your backgrounds and what you guys. For sure. My name is Mohammed Salahi. Um, I am uh, the, found, the co-founder of Hooray Spice. I'm the CEO of Hooray Spice. Um, I am originally from Afghanistan. Okay. I was raised and born in Afghanistan. I came to Chicago three and a half years ago. Okay. In Afghanistan, we have been doing family farming for mm. the last centuries, I'd say. Yeah. A couple of centuries. And then uh, specifically, we have been cultivating and family farming saffron mm. for the last eight years. So my mom, my siblings, we have been doing this. And then I, um, I joined the U.S. Army in Afghanistan, just okay. to mention, as a military interpreter. Yeah. So I served the Army, and they gave me an honored visa to come to U.S. Awesome. They gave me a, you know, a green card and citizenship. So I came over here, and then I started, I found a way that how can I bring my family saffron, but the culture that we have been doing for the last eight years, how I can bring the saffron in the U.S. and help the American restaurants and as well as build a community, build a community of African farmers okay. to cultivate saffron as well as cultivate saffron and stuff poppy because the drugs and poppy is yeah. so famous over there. And 10% of our company goes to uh, educate Afghan children, goes awesome. to a charity foundation. Yeah. Well, and Phil, what's your background? Um, my background is actually in film and media. I went to film school and after that I started a film media company. And out of happenstance, I met Muhammad, and uh, I heard his story, and I, every time I hear it, I cry, and uh, so I decided, yeah, let's let's run with this thing and make it work and turn it into the biggest thing it could be. Awesome. So what was it like for you guys kind of starting the company together? It seems like either you have like an entrepreneurial background, like you the, the film stuff, but nothing in kind of logistics or food. What was it like kind of working together with a partner and starting a business? That's more of a Muhammad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So basically, um, 
uh, I always love to um, help, the, help, help, help to recognize Afghanistan by a different name. Mm. Because the first thing when people think about Afghanistan is like war and you know like what's going on in the country right now with, with all the, the, the cause that's going on over there. So I thought how I can bring a positive message from Afghanistan and the fact that Afghanistan climate is the best for growing saffron uh, by international taste and quality of Brazil. We have been recognized for having the best quality saffron for the last six years now. So I thought how I can uh, bring uh, my family saffron. And then uh, uh, starting, the saffron, starting the business was not easy for me, uh, specifically right. first, uh, until I met Phil and I had another business partner, Iqbal Zarifi. Yeah. Uh, we have to plan out how to you know, form our LLC and me being a second language. Before right. also I met Phil, it was a tough time for me and not <laughs> having enough budget so to, you know, to give it for a lawyer or someone. So um, it was a little bit tough, but we came, uh, we came across and we did everything. So we started the LLC, we got the food certifications, we got the FDA approval, and then uh, we had a good supply chain set up already. Okay. Yeah, because my mom was over there and then my friend was over there. Uh, Do they have a background in? Yeah. Okay. My, my mom is, uh, she's basically managing all the family yeah. farmers and she's also oh, cool. herself as a farmer. So um, also my friend, she is, he is also um, a farmer himself. Yeah. So we started to bring the saffron inside the U.S. Um, it took us like six months to figure out the labeling and, you know, the, the branding side of the business and how to, the naming and the, the introducing the product. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it has been a pretty good start. Yeah, so when you guys had kind of everything set together, you had the business model set up, everything was good to go. How did you start finding your first clients? Was that just kind of people coming to knock on your door? Oh, I heard you sell saffron. Sign me up. Actually, um, so first when I when we started the business, we were like, our market might be the retail market, like okay. you know, grocery stores. So for four months, I basically started knocking the grocery stores. Maybe I knocked more than uh, 500 grocery stores in person, like knocking their doors. Hey, we have the saffron. This is my product. This oh, you just my... go there and yeah. ask the manager. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is my story. And uh, but finally, we figured like a friend of mine. Uh, he's a chef. He was uh, at uh, Treasure Island food, uh, he was uh, working over there and he asked me, can you bring me your saffron in the, in the kitchen? I want to see how, how what type of saffron we have. Yeah. So we have a we have a very good saffron. We have an ISO certification for our the quality of our okay. saffron, which has the best quality. We have 264 color, yeah. which is almost uh, above and beyond expectation. The average is 110. Okay. I'm talking about the color. So um, when I went to the Treasure Island, they, they loved the kitchen, loved my saffron. They were like, why don't you think about the food industry, this restaurants part? Why do I always think about the retail? Mm. So then, um, on that time, we had maybe like 10 or 20 uh, grocery stores. And then I started knocking the restaurants, okay. uh, introducing my product for the chefs. And uh, basically we ran, and I think I knocked more than 170, 1,764 restaurants so far okay. in person. Yeah. I'm not talking about emails yeah. and calls. So I would go to restaurants and introducing myself. And uh, chefs love my product. It became the word of mouth. People were talking about me. They were posting on Instagram, hey, we meet this guy from Afghanistan. He has the best product. Just yeah. try it out. And then we got calls and the business space became vital so, so that, that kind of differentiator is that like your product just kind of speaks for itself like are these restaurants ones that are already using saffron in their dishes or do they start incorporating it well what's kind of their entire sure. market play out yeah like, so yeah. basically um, restaurants have been using saffron for, for, for 
for long years, for a long time. Mm -hmm. The difference is that a lot of saffron are coming from Iran and Spain, okay. and they're not real saffron. Like, they add corn silk and safflower into the saffron, okay. which looks like saffron, and they are basically cheating the chefs. Okay. And the, what I do when, when I see the chef, I bring a few samples of the saffron in the market, the typical market saffron. Mm -hmm. Also, I ask them that they, if they have saffron in the kitchen, bring it to me. And then I compare the saffron to the water taste. And when the chefs see the color, the strength of the smell and the flavor, right. they are amazed. And then they see that when the real saffron in the water doesn't dissolve, the fake saffron dissolves. Interesting. Yeah, and then when they see that difference, slash when they see that we are giving 10% of our company income to build a school for Afghan children, chefs are so motivated. They are like, oh my God, I want to be a part of this. Because, you know, it's, it's more than just selling of saffron. It's right. building a community of farmers and community of children going to school. And basically, uh, yeah, they, some of them has, most of them, like 90% of them, have been already using saffron, but now they're changing to our because to our saffron because the quality is better and the mission is good. So like 1,786, whatever that number was, yeah. is a lot of rejection. For sure. Uh, how did you guys stay motivated when you guys were going out doing that? Yeah, here's the thing how, how I think. Um, <clears throat> I read a book, it's called The Compound Effect uh, by Darren Hardy. It's a marketing for that guy. It's a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. So uh, I learned that for any 10 rejection you, you basically get, uh, you get one yes. Because it's a com it's, it's called the average common law or something like. Law of averages. Yeah, the law of average. So um, what I did was like I created a list of 100 restaurants. And I was thinking that from this 100 restaurants, I'm just looking for 90 no, for 90 rejections. So as soon as the chef or the person say, oh, I, I'm not gonna buy your saffron. I was so happy because my number would reach to 90. Right. Because I knew when my when I get 90 no's, it means I will get uh, 10 yeses. So for me, it was like counting my no's, my rejections. So the rejection now became a motivation. Like the more we get no, they were like, oh my god, I'm close. Like if I get seven no, I knew that I'm gonna get. I'm close, so yes. So I was like, okay, I'm close. So sometimes I would ask the chef, I'm like, hey, chef, you know, my, my data, my average is like 10% say no, 9% say no, 1% say yes. If you say no, I don't mind putting you in the no list. Yeah. And if you say yes, I'm, I would love to be in the yes list. <laughs> so the guy would be like, I don't want to be in the negative list, just put yeah. me in the yes. So it became a, a motivation. I was basically like, the more rejection we get, the more motivation we get to keep going. So 90 rejections sounds, sounds like my usual Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of, um, in terms of motivation, when you see some of these kids in Afghanistan, I mean, they, they, they learn out of a one-room schoolhouse, mm -hmm. and they have the same dreams that anyone in our situation would have, right. and when you think, like, there's something I can do today to make it better for them in the future, mm -hmm. for sure, that's a, as powerful a positive motivator as you can get. So how does that kind of all play out? So you say 10%. What's kind of the logistics of that? Do you guys just monthly, you're just like send it to a certain charity there? Are you guys involved in the actual distribution of the money for funding? Do you have a partner in Afghanistan? How does that kind of all play out? We have a partner in Afghanistan okay. through Muhammad that okay. he knows. Mm -hmm. And these schools, you know, they have, they have, they have a constant need for upgrading and renovating. Right. I mean, there's, a, there's a not really a, there's no, and it's an endless supply of what right. you can do for these schools. You know, put the windows in, mm. put the floors in, get the running water to run right. better, things like that. Supplies for the students, boats, yeah. things like that. Um, 
So in terms of what is it used for, that's yeah. kind of what it's used for. And then the, the cutoff is, you know, once a year or once every six months, we can have Muhammad or his or our other business partner go yeah. there, bring them the supplies, bring them the whatever oh, cool. thing is, or pay or pay for the like what reward we just get. Uh, we, we, just, we just recently got windows. We uh, three months ago, uh, it was in February. We got the floors. We okay. got the paved the floor, cemented the floor. Right, actually, at the moment that I'm talking to you, our business partner Iqbal Zarifi, yeah. he's in Afghanistan. Oh, cool. So right now, the mission that he went is to uh, basically we already installed the windows. Like we needed the windows and the stuff for the for the classrooms. Uh, right now, we are specifically working with three elementary schools, okay. uh, which one uh, one is a, called Imam Shishnur Elementary. School, so it's an Afghan name. The other one is called Pashtun Zarhon Elementary School, and the last one is called Injil uh, Imam Sh- uh, uh, Elementary School. So for for at the moment we're working with Imam Shishnur Elementary School, which is all the family farmers who are bringing their saffron to US, okay. and they are very motivated. That the family farmers themselves to that they they found the path before there was not a specific path. We paid them uh, almost a fair trade uh, payment, like okay. more than what they would sell their saffron for the right. market and um, the students themselves for sure so for the students at the moment we are uh, as I said fixing their doors and windows our next plan is basically for the next school which is Fashion Zaragoza Elementary School because this school is almost good to go not like as we expect to, to like to be the best but we have to touch based on the second school and the third school okay. um, so the cycle is that my mom is over there as Phil mentioned my, my business partner as well as routinely I go to Afghanistan six months and my business partner is going. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the video you guys have on your website, and you guys, like, started out with, like, books, backpacks, pens, and paper. Sure. It's just, like, hard for people in America, I think, to comprehend, like, even those basic necessities aren't in the hands of a lot of people over there. Exactly. I remember when I was growing up, like, August 12th or whatever, because, like, August 15th started school, everyone goes to Target to get your supplies. Exactly, like, and there's for sure. 6,000 supplies. Like, do you want the pink or the blue mode, right? Yeah. That is, can I get a folder? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, to be honest with you, when we went over there, in that video you saw, um, uh, yeah, we, 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 also, we helped more than 60 students with the school supplies, mm-hmm. like uh, bags and pencils and books and uh, uh, notebooks. They were so excited. They were so happy. And, uh, like, that, that was like, I promised for that, for that, uh, for the for the teacher who was their teacher. She actually she's a girl. She just graduated from high school, and she herself when she finished, she came back to the village. She said, "I'm gonna educate the children." So, she, the, the teacher who is who she's not in the video, but she herself doesn't get any money. She just helped the children. Oh wow! And yeah, I told her that if you guys are thinking to educate yourself from the village, because the children cannot walk 10 miles to go to school, so that lady. She's a hero. She's a champion who came up and said, I'm going to educate my community. And I told her, if you keep that commitment, if you keep that promise, we, as Hiray Spice Company, we will sell as much saffron as possible if we can, just the motivation forces to help you and help your students to fulfill that commitment and go to school and finish the schools. And these children became educated. Yes. And that's important to know, too, is that this education is all that some of these kids, specifically the girls, get. Because the girls can't go 10 miles into the city to, to go to school. Some of the boys can't. Um, the better you can make the education in these rural areas, the better you can educate the women in this 
society in that, as everyone can see, is the, the number one way to prosperity for right. countries that have suffered. Yeah, kind of like a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing, just give them the opportunity. For sure. So things seem to be going like pretty well, you guys are on like an upward track. What's kind of like goals in the next year, five years, ten years with it, right? Like For sure, yeah. Um, <clears throat> our goals for, you know, we have some short-term goals and some, some long-term goals. Our main goal is to have Hiraya Spies all over the country. Okay. At the moment, we are in uh, Chicago, few restaurants, few orders in, in New York. Uh, and we are basically the plan is by June and July we are planning to go to New York as well as getting into Michigan so our cruises to states and uh, by 2020 we want to be in more than a thousand restaurants all over the country right now we are more than a hundred restaurants in Chicago land area and more than maybe 30 grocery stores so that's from uh, scaling and or making this often available for the chefs right. for the American chefs because it's a, it's a high quality product oh, yeah. and we don't want the chef to be cheated anymore by the fake saffron in the market. The second goal is to, um, right now we are in partner with three elementary schools, okay. more than 100 students. The next move, the next goal for the charity part is to help more than 12 elementary schools by 2020. Okay. By 2019, the goal is to get into six elementary schools and educate at least 200 students. That's from our charity part. And then... Um, the other main goal that we are right now working and planning at the moment in short term, we are going to bring cumin, uh, turmeric, and also pistachios from Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right now we have saffron, so we're going to add three more uh, spices and other products from Afghanistan because everything is organic and everything is like natural. Um, and there's a good demand and go for good foods, for healthy foods. So um, yeah, our goals are basically to getting into um, some other sets. Do we have any? <laughs> pretty much covers it for me um, in terms of the structure that we wish to have right. it's, it's as important for us to create jobs for people here as it is for people in Afghanistan for sure. I mean all of these all of these farms the more family farms that we the more saffron that we sell the more family farms that we need right. to, to supply that saffron and the more family farms that we can grow back there the more we can ensure the ethical treatment of the people sure. in that area which is also a consideration and the more people we can incentivize to grow saffron over things like poppy and stuff like that so in terms that's more of a long-term goal right but um in terms of that long-term goal the improvement of the area through education and through real actual economic empowerment specifically targeting the women in that community is a big push for that long-term goal so, like, as I mentioned, things are going well. You guys have some pretty good goals set out. What are some of the challenges you guys are facing running a company like this? Like, I'm sure yeah. well, international shipping. Well, the 90 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good challenge, right? Right, but just even, like, uh, supply chain, logistics, you're working in different continents. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Like, even, even, like, even we, I assume we even get things into the U.S. in your own hands, like, delivery to restaurants on time, stuff like that. Like, we had one, yeah. our, our biggest supply chain problem came actually from, and this is comedy, came actually from the United States government. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, the farmers in Saffron, in terms of the quality checking and everything, that's that's all done in Afghanistan. Okay. We have people there who are very, you know, because that's one of their main exports, they're very good at cleaning it, okay. making it clear and shipping it over. Um, but still, when you ship it, in, you ship any food in the United States, the FDA has to check it. Right. So when we shipped it in, it landed in Tennessee, and they checked it, sent it back through to us. Okay. And then we were 
it, and we're about ready to sell it, uh, start distributing actually. And they said, oh, hey, actually, we didn't check that. Actually, okay. So we had to ship it back to Tennessee. Have them. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever interfaced with the government, but they work very slowly. <laughs> they do. So it Where? took them like two and a half, three weeks just to check the package. And then they sent it back to us without more changing it. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it's, it's a supply chain lesson because it just shows you need to be one step ahead of right. everything. Because you never know when someone can pick up the chain and you got to have that ready to distribute no matter what. So now do you guys have like a warehouse here in Chicago or where do you kind of keep things on yeah. hand just like is this your basement? Like? No, no, for sure. I mean, it's not going to work that way because, yeah. you know, um, everything should go through health codes and okay. uh, for sure. Uh, we work out of a shared kitchen oh, in cool. Evanston. Nice. So that's why we do our packaging, our, you know, sort of third pass cleaning and all that type of stuff. Um, that's kind of all we need yeah. right now. I mean, ideally, when you have a sales force that is that needs its own area mm-hmm. to, to have meetings in, that would be kind of the next step for us. That's okay. the next sort of month, month and a half from here. Yeah. But yeah, as of right now, we run out of a shared kitchen. Yeah, we do the packaging and stuff out of shared kitchen, as folks said, and that's our one of the short-term goal to have our office or like a small warehouse as soon as possible if we can. Hopefully, that's gonna happen in next month, maybe okay. in, in one or next month. Yeah. Cool. So, are you guys just selling exclusively to <coughs> restaurants and to grocery stores, or can people buy your stuff directly online if they want it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What's, can, yeah. what's special for that? Uh, what's what? Best way to buy yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, through the restaurants, they can eat almost in any <coughs> high-end quality restaurants in Chicago. Yeah. From uh, uh, Michelin stars like Parachute, Elski, and uh, Swift and Sons restaurants to Palmer House and Drake Hotel and uh, uh, like a lot of hotels and restaurants. People can eat and they can, they can like, if you know the, the, the roof on the, uh, the restaurant, the, the, um, the Vit Hotel. Yeah. So they have a very beautiful roof restaurant. Yes. Uh, our product is over there. We're all over the city right now. Uh, in terms of buying online, yeah, they can buy our webs through our website, okay. um, spice.com and on, on eBay if they if they check on eBay or uh, Amazon or uh, Etsy, it's all over the place right now. Hirei Spice Saffron or just Hirei Saffron. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to add something about the challenges that you asked because we only came to supply <clears throat> for a startup. Yeah. Specifically for a startup which. Uh, we did not, none of us had really uh, a lot of experience in terms of like food industry and the saffron in the US. So uh, one of the main challenges we had was like the competition of the market. It's okay. Whenever you enter a market, there's a huge competition. And also the competition that some companies uh, do not want you to exist. Yeah. Like we had, uh, we had a case in Chicago, there's a lot of saffron companies, not a lot, but few who are like dealers okay. going to Afghanistan and buying saffron then selling for the chef with a very expensive price, okay. which our price is very fair and we want to we want to have that mutual beneficial for the chef right. and for the communities, not trying to double charging the chefs. So uh, they, they basically, they were, uh, we, we have a very big competitor in Chicago, which I don't want to name them, but they, they created a lot of uh, problem for us. Like, a bit of a stir. Yeah. I can imagine so. Yeah. yeah, because they're a corporate, they don't want us to exist, a small business. Well, like, because we were taking all of their best clients. <laughs> <laughs> Because they, they have to charge more because they have a bigger corporate yeah. structure. So, and they don't have to go to product. They don't have, their product is much worse. So they caused a bit of a legal stress. They tried to uh, 
they tried to really basically scare us. They yeah, sent us uh, most of all, yeah. a letter with a, a lawyer's letterhead and things like that, thinking that that would, oh no, it would yeah. get us to run away. So we got, I got a lawyer, and we just sent them another letter that said, all the stuff that you're claiming is BS, and we haven't heard anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> slash also the marketing. One, one thing that we really did was, um, to be honest, um, uh, we have been very successful in word of mouth yeah. and in-person marketing, or another term, organic marketing. Okay. Like we literally went to chef yeah. that this is my product, this is my story, this is family grown, homegrown. It is not corporate America. It's like a small business, and people love that. Yes. People do not trust right now anymore. You know the type of a lot of uh, like marketing which is through corporate. So uh, we did that, and we have been successful. But we definitely need more PR. We okay. need to be more on media, which we appreciate that you and watched us on the show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the challenges have been marketing and you know being in front of more chefs. And as a small business, that has been a challenge. And uh, other than that, I mean, uh, but but we are we are stronger than the challenges, so we yeah. don't beat any challenge. And here that going ties into what you said about the retail. In, in terms of challenges, you mentioned the retail market. Yeah, there is a real knowledge gap when you're selling to individuals, specifically in America. They don't know what saffron is. I didn't know what saffron was. Right. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it can be used for. It's it's really a, it's targeting a higher a higher knowledge base than, than we have, which is why it works with the chefs and why the chefs love it. Right. Yeah. But if we could, through marketing, through PR, expand people's mind on exactly. what they can use the saffron for, that would also be a way to kind of break that gap. Do you have some recommendations on easy dishes to make with saffron? Yeah, for sure. Why not? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if the easiest way, if you guys want to have a very healthy tea right. without any caffeine and having relaxation for your mind, okay. which scientifically saffron is uh, saffron is good for brain. It's uh, I don't want to say like I don't want to take responsibility because I'm not a scientist. Yeah. But as far as I did uh, my research, it says that saffron is uh, it's uh, it's very good for your for your mind to have relaxation and being being calm. Yeah. Relax. So, without like caffeine or the coffee that sometimes have coffee and make you awake. So saffron is. Uh, if you make saffron tea, very 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 easy. You just uh, boil the water, put a little bit like maybe nine to ten sigmas of saffron, yeah. and then add some uh, milk if you want, and then just enjoy a saffron cup of uh, cup of saffron tea in the evening when you're coming from work. That is the easiest way for a drink. For food, I would recommend uh, saffron rice. Okay. Uh, very easy. You can just have the rice however you cook from before, have the saffron, a little bit of saffron into a, like a small cup of water and let it for a few minutes to sit and then just add the saffron on the on the rice. It gives flavor, it gives a beautiful, amazing smell, right. beautiful color. Um, also saffron uh, chicken, okay. so you can uh, add the saffron into the chicken, which is very easy. As you cook your uh, dishes, dish of uh, chicken, you just add the saffron uh, before basically you steam it or after you steamed it, but uh, you just add the saffron into some water and then put it on the on the on the chicken, you can have bouillabaisse uh, if you know a little bit French uh, food, risotto Italian risotto right. saffron risotto. If you want uh, paella, the Spanish uh, one of the best Spanish dishes, it's paella. You can right. have you need saffron for that, and almost for any I mean saffron you can have like more than 150 recipes from the saffron. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's healthy. It's uh, the color, the flavor is really good. So you can almost have it in anything, any dish you want. They use yeah. it with red meat a lot. Yeah, for red meat. Oh, okay. for sure, yeah. 
Awesome. So anything you guys want to leave us with before we sign off? Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted oh, to say... Too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just this for some people, like, my friends are asking me, like, how did you start this business? How we can start a business? And uh, what was the secret of, like, you guys became so viral and, you know, <laughs> you're, like, more than 100 restaurants and people love your product. Well, I, I just wanted to recommend that uh, you just have, have to have the patience and uh, be consistent in what you do. And the rejection, do not let the rejection to... Uh, like it scare you that you're not going to become successful and the best way is like having a strong mission like what, what you're doing like why you're doing you should know your why right. and second count your no's count your rejections like the more rejection you, you get believe me at some point the rejection will turn into yes so right. you, you just count the rejection the yes will come itself so do not go after yes go after no the rejection will come itself and third I would say just uh, be honest be honest with people and educate people honestly which you know about your product uh, I think that that basically that's what I think and Phil do you have anything? I've thought about I mean we were just talking about this earlier actually I've thought about between this and my, my other company right. what's the big you know lesson to take from it and is that you know when you have to take the risk. Mm -hmm. And it's just because you know it doesn't mean it's not a risk. Right. It's still a risk, and you have to be willing to take that jump if you want to get something that's actually special. Anyone can sort of run it the normal way, but if you want to have something special, you got to sacrifice a little bit of comfort. Yeah. A little bit of easiness. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. For sure. My pleasure. Thank you. Wow, just wow, absolutely incredible story. I hope this this story moved you and see the kind of impact people are trying to have throughout the world and running their businesses and touching lives any way they can. I actually had a chance to sample some of the saffron from these guys and it's just absolutely top notch. Mohammed showed us a really cool demo afterwards and it's easy to see why so many amazing restaurants here in town are choosing to use Hooray Spice over their competitors. So if you get a chance, feel free to grab some online at HooraySpice.com. This episode is sponsored by Bites Kitchen. The best of times are always shared at the table. Good food, good drinks, good stories, good friends. Wish I had any of those. <laughs> at Bites, they believe that good food is more than merely a part of survival. It is their passion. It has the power of transcend language, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. Through food, they share their culture with new friends and old. They share a piece of who they are. And by coming together for meals, they trade good stories while creating new ones. At Bites, they want you to celebrate cultures from around the world. They've been inspired by Thailand, China, Japan, Korea, and more. They're also excited by the opportunity to continue creating new recipes. Food is always better when shared amongst friends, and that is how they shape their menu. With creative cocktails and a menu that is constantly evolving, a new story always awaits you at Bites. Show up, I guarantee you see me sitting with my Buddha in my hand. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. Yeah.